Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football. Watching. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm James Erpine along with Jake Lisko. You're going to hear from Jake in segment two of the show as we preview Sunday's matchup against the Indianapolis Colts who enter with a 3-2 and two record on the season. I got to tell you, I'm having a really good feeling. I'm getting some good vibes when thinking about this Sunday game. I'm not sure why, but I have a feeling it's going to be a good one in Indianapolis. Uh, plenty to get to today, including A.J. Green's comments earlier today. So we'll react to those. Then we're going to dive into this Colts-Bengals matchup because I I think it's going to be a good one. So we'll see if I'm right about that one and we'll get Jake's take coming up in segment two and three. But first, let's dive into the latest injuries. The Bengals placed defensive end Sam Hubbard on injured reserve on Thursday. The 25-year-old injured his left elbow in Sunday's loss to the Ravens. To no surprise, He was placed on IR, which means that he's going to miss at least three games with the injury. He was on the rehab field on Wednesday during practice, and he had his arm in a sling. It's really unfortunate for a guy like Hubbard and really for a defense that has been battered in the trenches. DJ Reader went on injured reserve earlier this week. Mike Daniels injured reserve two weeks ago. Geno Atkins has missed four games. Atkins is back, which means Sunday they're going to need him. And... It also means with Hubbard going down that Carlos Dunlap is expected to start again on Sunday. He did not start last week as Carl Lawson kind of assumed that three down role and a role he's been in for most of the year, but he was out there for the first play. So that was really the the big difference last week. But Dunlap going to be out there now, at least expected to be out there, along with rookie Khalid Kareem, who's going to get more run at defensive end with Sam Hubbard down. Other injury updates include Geno Atkins, who was limited on Thursday with that shoulder that he's been dealing with, expected to play on Sunday for sure. A.J. Green also limited. We'll get to him in a second. Darius Phillips and Auden Tate both dealing with shoulder injuries. They were limited after not practicing on Wednesday. Mackenzie Alexander, Giovanni Bernard, both limited. Alexander still dealing with that hamstring and Giovanni Bernard with a groin. Also worth noting, Carlos Dunlap did return to practice after taking his regular Wednesday rest day, and Joe Mixon did not practice Thursday due to personal reasons. As for Green, how interesting is it that this entire situation, he's obviously struggling, 14 receptions, 119 yards, no touchdowns. By the way, I looked this up today. This is the longest in-season stretch where Green is gone without scoring a touchdown. Five games in the same season. He's never done that. He did it once before, five straight regular season games, but it wasn't in the same year. It was the final four games of his rookie year, and then the first game of 2012, and that's it. It's the only time it's been five games. So we'll see if he can fix that this week. He did have a lot of interesting things to say, and one of them that that stood out to me 
He clearly does not have a handle on the playbook yet. He's not comfortable in this system. At least that's how it sounds. He, he said he was searching. He says that he knew it was going to be a challenge, that he was relying on some of his, his mentors. And that one of them has to be Larry Fitzgerald. He said he talked with his parents. So A.J. Green's done a lot of reflecting since Sunday. Said it was uncharacteristic, says he wasn't himself. He was clearly frustrated. And he said two things that I need to make sure I note here. One, he said he wants to be in Cincinnati past the trade deadline. So there's one. He, he wants to be with the Bengals long-term. Two, he did not admit to saying, I want to be traded on the sideline. He said that, that he completely denied it, essentially. But my takeaway from this, and you can watch it. I, I posted it. This is a shameless plug. I posted it on allbengals.com. So you can watch the, the nine-minute news conference in its entirety there on my website. But my thought on this is, is pretty simple. A.J. Green is lost. For the first time in his career, he is lost. And he doesn't have the answers. He, d- he doesn't have the answers to the test. For so many years, A.J. had them. And I don't know if it's a mental thing. I don't know if he's worried about injury. I don't know what it is. I do think there are times where A.J.'s been open and the throw's been a little off. But he's not playing at a high level. And so to me, this is on Zach Taylor. You're going to have to scheme him open a bit and try to get his confidence going. I think that's just part of what's going to have to happen. And that's just the the reality right now with Green. Now that could change, and he may get comfortable. And he even said, man, if I would have caught that touchdown and the interference wouldn't have gotten called against the Chargers or a deep ball against the Chargers, or maybe none of this happens. It just seems like it's snowballed. And for the first time in his career, he can't stop it. He can't stop those struggles. And he might not be able to anymore on his own. He did talk about how he had a, a really good conversation with Zach Taylor. And I'll praise Taylor here. I think he's done a good job of keeping Green together because Green seemed like he was very invested and kind of remorseful for his lack of effort on the play with Marcus Peters' interception. I don't think he saw the ball, but the, the part where Peters caught it and started running, I think that part was something A.J. Green regretted. And overall, I just think he's a guy that's done a lot of self-reflecting And right now he's searching, searching for the answers. And it's going to be interesting to see if he can come up with them in time for Sunday's game against the Colts. Up next, I'll get Jake's thoughts on this. We'll dive into this matchup. Colts, Bengals. I'm optimistic. I think the Bengals are going to win this game. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell anyone I think that. But I'll tell you why coming up and we'll see if Jake agrees. But first... I got to tell you about Built Go. You hear me rave about Built Bars all the time. Well, they have a new product. Built Go is for you. Whether it's a mental or physical wall, break through it with Go every day. They come in easy to take one and a half ounce packages. You can put them in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever. Perfect snack for your golf bag to power through the back nine. Look, it comes in three delicious flavors. Peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. Me personally, because I'm a mint fan, you hear me talk about the mint brownie built bars. Chocolate mint is my go-to. I love it. And here's the thing. Even if you're not an energy drink person, these aren't that. They taste great. It combines energy gel with collagen protein. It's a fast-absorbing protein. It's perfect for you. Plenty of B6 and B12, 10,000% of your daily percentage necessary. And the collagen helps your joints, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. It helps you look better which is something Jake needs. I look great, but something Jake needs. 
Don't tell him I said that. Visit BuiltGo and use promo code LOCKED. You're going to get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Let's keep things rolling here on Locked on Bengals. And let's welcome him in. Jake Lisko. it's your show too. Welcome in. Uh, I got to say, our listeners can't see you right now. I can. You look good. Really? That's so nice of you to say. I, I just, I just, you know, I, I never thought that you would say that, you know, I didn't need something to look good. Yeah. I, I assume you've been taking a lot of, a lot of built goes. What are you like on pack number six today or something? Yeah. I'm, I'm really, really, can you see the shakes? I've had too much caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, maybe AJ Green needs that to perform well. Let's let, did you, you obviously watched, uh, his news conference, I heard it, saw his comments. Interesting stuff. What do you make of it all? I think that a lot of what we heard AJ Green say today jives well with what I expected he would say. I do find it a little interesting that he straight up denied saying trade me on the sideline. Like, what What did you say there, AJ? I mean, it doesn't really matter. We, we talked about the fact that sometimes during the heat of competition, during the heat of the moment, we say things that we don't mean. And A.J. Green acknowledges his frustration in this press conference. And that's really what I thought it was, is I thought he was he was very frustrated. What I liked is that he took ownership, as Paul Daner pointed out, and, and knows that players in this locker room, T. Higgins, has idolized A.J. Green for like 10 years or something, however long A.J.'s been in the league, right? And you turn mm-hmm. on the tape and you see A.J.'s effort chasing down the interception. The fact that he takes his eyes off the guy carrying the ball, he ends up... You know, he sees a linebacker coming across. He's like, ooh, this guy might blow me up, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure I, I don't get hit right now instead of trying to chase down the play. And, and when you see it from the TV angle, it looks like he's getting ready to go block instead. It's, just, it's, it's not a good look, right? But, you know, acknowledging that he can't put that on tape, that he can't put that, that anything that looks like whatever he said on the sideline out there where the cameras are rolling – He's got to do a better job of containing that to set an example and continue to be a good leader. I think that's really important. The other thing is, yesterday I I went back and looked, and I watched all of A.J. Green's routes against Baltimore. And, and I don't think that he looked like prime A.J. Green by any means. There are some times when he's given up on routes. There are some times that you can see him look frustrated earlier in the game, not necessarily with, with Joe Burrow or the offense, but you know he, he would be going on a go route maybe not on Marcus Peters' side of the field, because Marcus Peters locked him up. Marcus Peters had a really good game against A.J. Green in particular, but he's running a go route at the bottom of the screen on one play, and, and Joe Burrow gets flushed to the right, and and, he, and A.J. thinks, oh, I won this one. I could have gotten on top of this guy, but, but now my quarterback's rolling the other way. There's no way this ball is ever coming to me, and you can see him react to that while the play is live. So, you know, he's, he's definitely frustrated, I think, with his usage to some degree. I think with his production to a large degree, I mean, he knows the reality of his situation, right? He knows that he needs to play well or he's not going to have that big payday again. And so I think that he's feeling a lot of pressure. He's feeling a lot of frustration with, with numerous issues. And I think that my takeaway was that he's not done. I don't think he's still the A.J. Green that he was three years ago. Uh, watching watching the every route against Baltimore, but he doesn't look cooked necessarily. He just he, he looks like a role player at this point, and I think that that he needs to kind of come to grips with that. The Bengals need to come to grips with that a little bit, and 
and maybe AJ still has some some playbook to learn. He he mentioned that a little bit. He's still trying to figure things out where he where he is in this offense, and he he has a chance. He has another chance this weekend, assuming he plays. I guess he's limited again today. Although on Bengals.com, he's not listed on the injury report at all. But this secondary for for the Colts isn't standout. There there's no studs over there. So he has another chance this weekend, and. You know, I said against Jacksonville, if he didn't get loose, I'd have questions. And I do have questions, but he has another chance this weekend to, to answer those. I agree. And I, I think that the, the point that stands out the most outside of the, the leadership and all this stuff is what you said. The Bengals need to realize that. You can't bank on A.J. Green, at least right now. And this is the guy who picked him to go for 1,000 yards. This is me saying this. You can't bank on him to just dominate outside and be the guy that he was. It's up to Zach Taylor in this offense to realize, you know, Brian Callahan, all right, AJ's struggling. He might not be the same guy. So how do we get something out of him? He's given us nothing. How do we get something out of him? And that's what they need to do. And that's what they need to determine. And that could mean less snaps. That could mean a little more odd and tape. But I certainly don't think it means zero green. I, You know, I think there is a, a happy medium there. And I'm not sure if it's more odd and tape either. And I think that there is something specific that he still does at a really high level and he still has elite body control and, and really good ball tracking ball skills generally. And and we've seen a few very, very close plays on the sideline this year that tells me that that is still there. So maybe some of the burst is gone, right? Maybe, maybe, a, maybe he's lost a step. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. Maybe he's dealing with a hamstring, but the body control is still there. And if you like Auden Tate for his ability to win in contested situations and make fantastic catches, A.J. Green can still do that. And so mm-hmm. there's still a role for him in that respect. So, so I'm not saying you've got to totally phase the guy out, but, but as you said, James, you've got to adjust the way you use him. And that's the key. That, that's the key for me, honestly, to this weekend. When I look at this offense, I need to see Zach Taylor scheme his ass off. Because when you watch last week in this Colts defense that – went up to Cleveland and they had you know they're riding high three and one they're playing at a high level and I thought Kevin Stefanski coached his tail off and I thought he did a hell of a job and called a hell of a game and the Browns just played well for the most part on offense and you know they you know Philip Rivers gave the ball away a couple times it makes it makes it easier but I need to see some of that out of Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan and whether it's Green whether it's Boyd you know Higgins and the other thing here, and I'm going to just call it out and say it, and some of you might already know this opinion, I think Ross should be active this week because you said you watch all of those A.J. Green routes against Baltimore. I think Baltimore was daring the Bengals to beat them over the top. They knew it wasn't going to happen before the pass rush got there, and it was just a nightmare. And the, the longer you go without having any big plays or having any legitimate downfield threat, the harder it's going to be on Joe Burrow the harder it's going to be on Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan, the harder it's going to be on everybody. So I think that that, that is one option to try to extend the defense out a little bit and, and kind of make things easier, alleviate some of the pressure. Because right now I think defenses are just going to say, all right, beat us over the top. We'll let you dink and dunk and matriculate the ball down the field because it's going to take forever. I mean, the Bengals lead the league in time of possession right now. And what does that mean? Well, you know, what is that giving them on offense? They need to create some big plays. So that's that's one option and one option I would certainly use. I think it's worth exploring, but I think the coaches and, and 
I, I think we have to trust the coaches on this a little bit. Maybe not. Maybe they don't deserve any trust right now. But the last time we saw John Ross, he didn't look great. And he, and he mm-hmm. has speed. But, you know, if he's not ready, he's not ready. He just – he needs to earn his way back, I think. that That's definitely how the coaches have to feel right now. And and they also have to feel like, who who are we sitting? Mike Thomas plays special teams. And, and Auden Tate, the last time we benched him, he demanded a trade. Not that you need to be intimidated by that, but but you know what I'm saying. Like, mm-hmm. It's a distraction. There, there's just a, a bit of a, a tricky situation there, wide receiver. Maybe they go with seven wide receivers up again. Maybe. Or, or, or maybe yeah. AJ doesn't play this week. Maybe not. But uh, the, the thing about having Ross active and, and talking about the deep balls, it doesn't matter if you have free rushers in the A and B gap, right? Like, you, you just can't throw deep. If you have pressure one second after the snap, you can't. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's what's a little scary this week for different reasons than it was against Baltimore. DeForest Buckner is one of the best players in the NFL. We saw him last year with the 49ers be very, very good against this Bengals offensive line. And, and where the Bengals are struggling is at the guard position. And, and that's where Buckner is going to be. So it all starts up front again, as, as we've really harped on this week. I, I mean, we've talked about the offensive line, I feel like, in every episode this week. Uh, <laughs> and if they don't get better than they were the, you know, against Baltimore, than they were against the Eagles then there's nothing they can do. And the, and the last thing before I'll shut up and let you talk again is you mentioned trying to scheme AJ open and, and I, I'm starting to hatch another theory, just like I have this theory about Jim Turner and, and run blocking and pass blocking. And my theory is that right now, Zach Taylor has a really good idea of concepts that he wants to install. And, and he's having, and Joe talked about this a little bit. He's having a hard time installing the details. You see them run pick plays. You see them run a lot of pick plays actually for AJ Green including uh, a ball that I saw when I was watching Ace's video last night when he went through all the AJ targets, the ball that he gets passed interfered with on like a deep corner kind of thing. Um, and and he, he ends up getting his arms chopped as before the ball comes in, doesn't get the pass interference call, but it was pass interference. I, I noticed it there. I think there's a high cross that's supposed to cause traffic at, at the top of the route. There's, there's a post running at, right over AJ's deep out or deep corner. So I think they are actually doing quite a bit to try to scheme him into space and they're not executing it. So, so they need to fix those details. You hear Zach Taylor talk about it all the time. We need to be better with details. Well, you've been saying that for like 20 games, Zach, Let, let's figure out how to get those details installed. I totally agree with that. The, the one point I'll say on Mike Thomas is he had four special team snaps last week. Oh, well, and and this isn't, this isn't you. Because it is a point, and it is what the Bengals would say is, oh, well, well, here, here's the thing. Mike Thomas, and I like Mike Thomas, four special team snap and a fumble that was returned for a touchdown. Yeah. All right? So this idea that he has to be active or Auden Tate has to be active or – I don't know. And I get it. Ross is inconsistent. But I, I think he, he could help. And it, it isn't just that. He could help if – and this is the key, and this is why I started with Taylor and, and Callahan. And to your point, the execution. He can help if – Taylor and Callahan put these guys in a position to succeed and, and, and they execute. I get it. It is a player's league. It isn't all on the, but at some point they got to get these guys in a position. And I do think that adding a little speed will help that. So I mean, it can't hurt. The only way it hurts actually is if, if John Ross just drops a bunch of balls, right? You, you put him out there, you throw him a bunch of good passes and you know, he drops them all, but, but you can't predict that you, you have to assume that guys are going to make plays. 
I don't want to say that it's not on the coaches, though. Like, that wasn't the point I was trying to make. It's if the players aren't learning the details, there's something wrong with the way we're teaching them. And if, oh, you're, sure. con- if you're continuing to harp, uh, and, and maybe this is a question for the coaching staff, like, what is it that's not getting learned? What, why are we still talking about details a year and a half into implementing your offense, right? Like, th- that would be my question right now. Especially like, what, because- what are these details that we're not hitting? Especially because, I mean, look at who's playing. Tate got significant playing time last yeah. year. H- Higgins is the new one, right? But Mike Thomas, very comfortable in this system. Boyd, comfortable. Green admits he's uncomfortable, but you just said in, in it's like the guys around him aren't executing right. Drew Sample on the one pick play that, that we remember against, uh, who was it, against Philly, I believe. Yeah, there, I mean, there's in that game, there's Sample, there, there's Auden Tate, and I think it's Tyler Boyd maybe on, on a deep post. It might have been somebody else. I could have that wrong. But uh, I think that there are consistent little things missing. I don't think the scheme is bad. I don't even think the play calling is bad. And Joe talked about this too, and, I, and it made me go back and look at it. I think that there's just little things that, that maybe guys don't understand. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about the matchup. We've been really bogged down in AJ Green and, and coaching and, and execution and stuff, but we, there are some other players and, and some other things that are pretty interesting about this game. We'll get into those coming up next. All right, James, we talked a lot about some general things coming into this week six game against the Colts. Let's focus on some individual matchups that I think are going to be really important when the Bengals have the ball, maybe some matchups that you think are going to be important when the Bengals have the ball. And then we do need to talk about when the Colts have the ball, because both of these offenses right now could be very easily seen as struggling offenses. Both of these defenses could be seen as a relative strengths of their team. But the big deal for the Colts is Darius Leonard hasn't practiced for two days and is on pace to miss a game. And and he really makes this defense go in a big way. They just got absolutely thrashed by the Browns without him last week. And I'm not saying it was only because of that reason. I think the Browns are actually pretty good on offense with Kevin Stefanski. But the rest of this defense really is, is kind of DeForest Buckner, who I mentioned in the last segment, terrifies me against the Bengals guards. And, and there's Justin Houston, who I think isn't this, is far from the scariest edge rusher they'll, they'll have faced this season. Uh, bad to inconsistent linebackers, young but maybe promising safeties. And, I mean, their, their corners don't scare me. So the, the big matchups that I really like this week are, are Tyler Boyd in the slot. I love Tyler Boyd in the slot this week. He, he is the guy on this offense right now. I think that we might see a few more plays for Drew Sample this week compared to last week. I think that if Darius Leonard isn't out there, they're going to feel better about some of those sample matchups or, or whoever they like at tight end. I think it's sample though. And, and I think that uh, the, the outside wide receivers could, could win it as well. So it's all, uh, and this is why I said this at the beginning. It all for me comes down to interior offensive line play this week. I agree. And unfortunately, there's no sign of this ending, right, of this not being a storyline. The Bengals have gotten the worst guard play in the NFL. Three different right guards, right, that have started games. And they've struggled. Obviously, Billy Price has played a couple halves. He's struggled. They're allowing 36 pressures, 21 at right guard, 15 at left guard this season. Nightmare. And Trey Hopkins, and that's according to Pro Football Focus, Trey Hopkins is – is solid. I think he's fine. But unfortunately, the the trio of Redmond, Johnson, 
and price has been awful for the most part. And Michael Jordan, outside of a promising week one, has been pretty bad. And, and I've been disappointed. I thought he might take a step forward, especially after week one. And that just hasn't been the case. And I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, you'll get Xavier Suofilo back. That should help some. But is that it? Is that what we're banking on? Because I'm not sure he's going to stay healthy, and I'm not sure you're going to see him before week 10. So it's just – it's rough. And and so I agree with you. I think that's a huge storyline, especially with DeForest Buckner on the other side. Let's switch gears. Speaking of the other side, look at this Bengals defense coming off of really good game against the Ravens. Geno Atkins probably going to get increased snaps. And the crappy part here, Jake, is not only do you lose DJ Reader. But as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, Sam Hubbard on injured reserve now. It's just really tough in the trenches for the Bengals right now. Honestly, and and this is going to be hard for a lot of you to hear. Don't do it. The drop-off from from Sam Hubbard as an edge player to whoever else they put out there as an edge player is not going to be that drastic. Where they're going to miss Sam Hubbard is as a nickel pass rusher because without DJ Reader. And with Geno Atkins, who maybe he gets more snaps this week, James, but he's limited in practice two days in a row here with the shoulder injury still. And he was very limited in his snap counts last week. That That's where I, I think they're going to continue to have issues. I was excited with Geno back for them to actually have some sort of push in the middle with him next to Sam Hubbard in there, give Carl Lawson and, and Carlos Dunlap the outside. And... Without Hubbard, I, I think they do miss his ability to provide something on the interior. They might miss some of his run defense, but honestly, he's not getting off blocks this year. The plays he has made largely, especially as a pass rusher, have been hustle plays. And for everyone who was telling me he's going to be a 10-sack guy, I, I don't see it right now. He needs to get better. For for me, people people are asking is Sam Hubbard, you know, why aren't you including Sam Hubbard in your list of guys for the for the possible future? And we're not going to talk about this too much right now cuz I want to focus on this game. Sam Hubbard needs to show me more. And I hope he gets back healthy because I, I think that they use him a lot in a lot of different ways and count on him. But the way he's played this year, the drop off from from him to I don't know who they're going to play in his place isn't as steep as you might think, which isn't me praising the backups. Just to be clear, is that he hasn't played very well on the edge this year, struggling to get off blocks. I mean, there's a play that, that Matt Minnick highlighted where he just gets blocked into oblivion by Nick Boyle against the Ravens. We 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 scream at, at the Bengals coaching staff for leaving Drew Sample one-on-one with defensive ends. And, and then we watch uh, Sam Hubbard get blocked out of a running play by a tight end. I mean that that's not something that's supposed to happen. And I don't mean for this to be me going off on Sam Hubbard. I do think that he's a valuable player in certain situations, but I don't think his absence is, is necessarily quite as meaningful as you, as you might think. And certainly not as meaningful as DJ readers, which I think we can agree on. Well, sure. Absolutely. And I think you're going to see Dunlap obviously start, and then you're going to see more Khalid Kareem, which, you know, who, who knows yeah. what, what, what he brings. I, but I think that's the case. I think that's what you're going to see. Yeah. Andrew Brown could be active, you know, maybe maybe that's a route they go to, but it doesn't seem like he's in great well, standing right now. And they put Sam Hubbard on IR, but there hasn't been a corresponding move yet, right? No. So they're at 52, so they, they could certainly make a move. And honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if they don't. One, they could have a move in the works with the COVID protocol, and we just don't know. Yeah. Two, 
it might not happen until after Sunday, right? Yeah. So th- this could just be, oh, we're going to promote two guys from uh, the the uh, practice squad anyways. So, but yeah, I, I think that's you mentioned the interior of the uh, defensive line, uh, you know, of the Colts going after the Bengals interior of their offensive line. It's the same thing here with Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, and Glowinski. I mean, those guys left to right in the the middle there. They're going to try to open up running lanes all day long, and that's my scare, and that's my fear, is that these young linebackers are overwhelmed, much like they were week two, and not just the linebackers, the defensive line, everything. It's front seven, really. And, and if that's the case, like it was against the Browns, then it's going to be a long day. Yeah, Anthony Costanzo is going to be back this week for them at left tackle as well, which I think is is a pretty significant development. Braden Smith is not playing as well this year as he did last year, but I mean, this offensive line generally, I mean, Andrew Luck wishes he had this offensive line. Yeah. And, and by extension, and uh, Joe Burrow, sorry, wishes he had this offensive line. I mean, th- this is this is a mismatch, right? And so just like the last few weeks, we've talked a ton about game script. That is the most important thing for this team this week. If they get down early, the, the, the Colts are going to take it out of Phillip Rivers shaky old hands and and they're gonna just start pounding their young running backs and and the bengals on paper that that's a disaster for them (laughs) i mean that is not a matchup that you're gonna see play out well on paper and and i will i will again acknowledge how how good they were last week against the run this is a better offensive line however and Mm -hmm. uh you know this is a, a less multifaceted running game but the Bengals won't have DJ Reader this week so you know the, the, and they won't have Sam Hubbard who's better in the run game than he is as a, as a pass rusher so there are some changing variables here and uh the the passing game for the Colts doesn't scare you I, I, I was joking with the Colts fan friend of mine that you know he's saying I'm going to take the under in this game I said I think that comes down to how many pick sixes Philip Rivers throws <laughs> and I, I, I do like Jesse Bates and, and Darius Phillips' chances to, to find one of those this week. So game script going to be huge. This offense has to get going at, at a better clip. The defense has to start good. I mean, they, they haven't started games well for most of this year. So, James, the, the Colts favored by eight points in this game. You feel good about it. What's your prediction? I do feel good about it. I feel good about it for a variety of reasons defensively. That's the key. Can you make Philip Rivers throw the ball? If so, he's going to gift wrap a couple because he's Brett Favre at the end of his career without the arm, right? The arm strength isn't there. He still takes the risks. You're right. They can, if they force him to throw, they're going to have multiple turnovers, probably win the turnover battle. I think you get it about half the time. And then the other half, Jonathan Taylor runs wild. So it's going to fall on the offense. Can this offense do enough? I'm feeling good about this, and maybe it's because I made this prediction before the season started. Maybe it's because I don't give a damn about the odds makers, but I'll take the Bengals, 23-20. I think that that's roughly how many points I expect in this game. For me, it's just I want to find out if if the Colts' defense is a strength of schedule mirage or not, and I don't know if we'll learn that without Darius Leonard out there. I think that that's, like, for a linebacker, as significant an injury as a defense could have, given that it's a linebacker, but... Very interested to see how this one plays out. We're going to learn a little bit more about these teams. This is a lot closer of a matchup, I think, than the Ravens-Bengals game was. But the Bengals did put on tape that that they can be overwhelmed by the blitz, by simulated pressure, by fire zones, and 
We'll see how much of that they fixed, how much of that the Colts use. And I, I am very interested to see how this game plays out because I think it's much closer than eight points. We'll be back on Sunday with our game recap. Until then, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one.